0: Hello and welcome to the Low Life podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today's show one fifty-seven. Today we discuss the science of tapping. Whether you're someone who's maybe seen people tapping and thought, I don't get it. Looks a bit kooky. How could that possibly make a difference? or you're a convert from way back. Either way, you'll find today super interesting. I've brought on Dr. Peter Stapleton, a wonderful doctor with over 22 years of clinical and health psychology experience, She has done a lot of research in uh, psychology and her research on tapping is fascinating. Her book, The Science of Tapping, is wonderful and I think by the end of it you'll be um, popping off to download or order it in because uh, what she shares with us today is truly mind-blowing just how bringing this very simple set of patterned, uh, acupressure points if you like into a, a regular sensation of tapping and what that can do for us to get extremely present with the things that are either making us scared or frustrated about our lives uh you know by the end of the show we were saying you got to tap it in to be able to tap it out and uh and I think everyone will be on the bandwagon We're really lucky to have Peter here. Uh, In fact, she's a huge fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work as well. They're good friends. And he wrote the foreword for her book. So that was one of like the, oh, my gosh, yeah, please, let me meet this woman. And then when we got to meet at the uh, recent Changing Habits Summit where we were both speaking... She just had to be on the show. I know you're absolutely going to love her and we have a really good laugh today as well. Um, We have, of course, another few weeks left with our wonderful show supporter, Walida. And uh, today, actually, is the official launch of their global campaign, You Are Nature. So we always talk about in the Lotox Life how... One of the big issues is we don't realise often that we are nature, we are an animal and we've become so disconnected um, not only to our animal instincts but also to the natural world around us and it's one of the reasons we struggle sometimes to comprehend and fight for. Uh, big, big things that, you know, like climate justice. Sometimes we feel so disconnected, we feel like, what could I possibly do? But if we reconnect to nature in a meaningful way, we see there's so much we can do. Every day, in every action, we take, big or small. So here is what uh, Walida um, has to say about this You Are Nature campaign, Uh, When you live connected with nature, it brings out your inner nature. Hello, just what I was talking about. Modern life is disconnecting us from the natural world more and more. Uh, I basically should have just read out their blurb first, right? (laughs) You have good intentions to reconnect, but life is intense. You juggle, you rush. As a human being, you need nature to function because you are nature. You are part of nature, not separate from it. At Walida, we understand this interconnection and know that only the right blend of the highest quality natural ingredients can give you and your skin what it truly needs. So Walida is actually one of two leading beauty brands worldwide to be the first to obtain UEBT certification for sourcing with respect, Uh, And they, I mean, I couldn't say enough good things about them. You know I love this brand. It's one of my absolute all-time faves. And I think what they have their company roots in nearly 100 years ago now, in fact, 98 years ago when Rudolf Steiner co-founded Walida was an incredible link to nature and they have never lost that. And I think it can be very... um, Alluring as a business to chase profits over um, quality, chase profits over ethics, chase profits over, uh, gosh, you name it, the environment. And never once have they done that. They have always stuck to their principles uh, rooted at the very heart of their brand from the day it began. So you couldn't be getting behind a more wonderful honest and high integrity brand when you add some Walida to your mix. Your special offer this month, Australians, is 15% off and free shipping with orders $79.95 or more. So enjoy that little offer and the only thing it doesn't work for is um, things that are already discounted or special packs that have already been put together. But everything else is fair game and uh, you've heard a bucket load of times what my favourites are. Um, But I'll pop them in the show notes again just in case you need a little bit of inspiration. Maybe you're just getting into leading a low-tox life and you haven't come across too many product uh, options yet. Um, Trust me, we are spoilt for choice these days. So enjoy that Walita offer and enjoy this wonderful chat with Peter. And I might just say because we actually do a tapping session – and there's quite a visual component to this, we're going to edit tomorrow um, when the gorgeous Steph, who uh, is my (laughs) whiz-bang video editing person, uh, we're going to edit tomorrow the section um, where Peter takes us through the tapping and I will pop that in the show notes as well so you can actually see Peter demonstrating it and follow along. Uh, If you haven't done any tapping before, that's going to be super helpful. So hang tight for that. Uh, Follow the chat today and then from tomorrow in the show notes, you'll be able to access the actual tapping regime visually so that it will help you get started. Enjoy. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm really well. Thanks, Alex. I am so excited to have this chat about tapping. I've done 156 shows on the podcast so far and not once have we talked about tapping yet. It's such a go-to for so many people. Or you've got the other bucket of people who see the little, and they're like, "Ah, oh, crazy people! What's going on with that?" So hopefully today's show can unite us all great. in uh, in um, understanding better what tapping's all about. If you haven't done it before, sure. and how it can be such a great part of your toolkit. So I guess to start, I'd love to see what tapping, um, what it means to you. Why, why you, and why tapping? Why the intrigue?
1: Yes, and I probably, you know, um, have talked more in recent months and years that I wasn't searching for something as weird as tapping (laughs) way back when it came into my life. Um, I was certainly looking for things that would help my clients, but yeah, I had a colleague who sort of said, Oh, look, you know, I've come across this weird thing where you tap on your face. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And kind of the story rolls on, and eventually, sort of, you know, was open enough, but I was probably desperate enough, and that's sort of where it came in. It was then years sort of down the track that my academic position uh, required me to do research. And so, you know, my boss was pretty supportive and I said, look, wouldn't mind testing this thing that we have kind of been, you know, mucking around with in private practice and he's like, I, and again, he said to me, I've no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, well, let me just do it. And we'll see what happens. And of course we started to get lots of outcomes in sort of the food craving, weight loss area, that kind of thing. And have rolled on since. So it has sort of just become such a mainstream part of my life that we feel, you know, we talk as a family and I have two daughters and they've only ever known tapping because I learned it before they were born that it was sort of this, yeah, everybody taps, don't they? Doesn't everybody tap? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's probably surprising when I meet someone who goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so it's certainly been around now for over 18 years in
0: my mm, life. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you talk about tapping being the fourth wave of psychology.
1: Yes. Talk to me
0: about that.
1: Yeah, I better tell you about the first three waves. Yeah, yeah, maybe you should. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually...
0: Yeah. Thank you, Doctor.
1: I guess because I'm a clinician too, so whilst I'm an academic and I teach and things like that, I've always seen clients The first wave in the therapy space was really that psychodynamic. You know, you might think of Freud and lying on a lounge with someone listening to you. And that really was what we call the first wave of therapy. Long, long term, lots of sort of delving into your childhood and you know, Freud and people like that kind of attributed most of your problems back to your mother or some sexual sort of issue in your development or something like that. That kind of was around for a very long time. And it really wasn't until the sort of 60s and 70s that the second wave in therapy emerged, which was the behavioral kind of approaches. straight behavior, you know, change, change your behavior and everything will change. So it kind of excluded looking at what your thoughts were or your feelings, but it was really where they were doing kind of testing on animals like people might know of you know pavlov ivan pavlov who noticed that when he bought his food into the dogs the dogs salivated and you know then they started to ring a bell and then the bell ringing only would make so they started to sort of go oh we can condition our dogs and can we do that to humans (laughs) so they started to use that in therapy it kind of, I guess, had a big hole in it because it didn't account for how does somebody feel or what mm-hmm. are their thoughts. So the third wave was really adding the cognitive to the behaviour and so that's where we saw cognitive behavioural therapy and lots of blends of that. So mindfulness is seen as a blend of or an extension of CBT um, other sort of you know approaches like acceptance and commitment therapy people might be familiar with those sort of all still sitting in that same third wave space of okay we have thoughts we have feelings let's target both of them that kind of thing and then and that's been going on for many many kind of a couple of decades now but I think what we're seeing and we saw it with the emergence of EMDR which is the eye movement therapy Mm -hmm. that people shift their eyes backwards and forwards and that now is accepted by medicare worldwide certainly here in australia and it was sort of this oh hang on a minute i think the thing we forgot with the third wave was the body and the somatic sort of physical sensations Um, so emdr targeted that and then we saw eft tapping come out and emerge and now we have 135 clinical trials on that that kind of thing and there's other things. So there's certainly, you know, your listeners might be familiar with other sorts of body-based therapy. Even mm-hmm. yoga is being explored as a therapy and that would sit in the fourth wave. So, so oh, yes, okay. I, I've made this big statement, which apparently everybody's attributing to me yeah <laughs> which I wasn't kind of trying oh, own
0: to it, own it Peter <laughs> absolutely own the women of science I, I need to start wave. owning it
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I, I think we are going to see more and, and certainly tapping not the only thing I think the fourth wave is going to be all about body-based approaches but in the therapy counseling space so they're gotcha. out there anyway people go to yoga people might go to Drumming, you know, Mm. like there's drumming groups locally and things, but I think seeing them used in a counseling space is what we will then sort of go, yeah, the body stuff came back into the therapy room.
0: Mm. Well, I know um, a a very talented counselor up in Lismore who I've seen a number of times do, uh, oh gosh, TRE, trauma release release exercises, and I absolutely adore that therapy. I think it's just so powerful. Uh, So I think, yeah, it's really interesting to see that it's the aspect of including the body in the therapy that makes them all collectively related. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, Now it's one of those things that could be easily labelled as a bit kooky though (laughs) (laughs) because you can kind of see people doing it and think, oh, what's that going to do you know, uh, especially people from older generations mm. uh, or more closed-minded, conventional people um, yep. who are stuck in very much a linear model of medicine, and nothing else is um, is considered. So, how do we decook it? Like, what is the science that we actually really start to see emerge from these clinical trials that that makes it a viable therapy?
1: Yeah, I'm so relieved we do now because certainly in the early days of us using it people, we, we did use sort of, you know, terminology of, oh, the body's got meridians and we're not saying the body doesn't, but that was the only way we knew how to describe. And it seems to do something with your energy and your body. And it was all very kind of, you know, mm. made it weirder and people's eyes would glaze over. And sort of go, oh, oh, meridians. <laughs> right. And I, thought, all right. <laughs> and I thought, thank goodness, you know, it was first um, Harvard University in Boston that they did a 10-year study that probably was released now, maybe 10 years ago, where they looked at all the pressure points in the body you know true Chinese sort of acupuncture but they did it through MRI machines and so they were able to sort of definitively say yes if you stimulate pressure points on the body acupuncture points with needles or in tapping we just do it with a tapping kind of process instead of putting a needle in they indeed light up certain areas of the brain and they calm certain areas of the brain so I was so relieved when um, Harvard came out and sort of said this and went yes this actually is a real thing and has an impact on the brain. Because suddenly we kind of were able to shift and sort of go, okay, we know it works, but now we have a better explanation that actually what it's doing is. the the stimulation of a pressure point even if you like traditional acupuncture does indeed send a signal back to the part of the brain the stress center that sends out that response that we feel or you know makes us feel yucky or stressed or whatever it might be so we're like great (laughs) and then what we've done since is really had a decade of research that looks at physiological uh, outcomes in the body so we've tested you know, cortisol, the stress hormone in the body before and after tapping, heart rate variability, blood pressure, um, EEG, brainwave kind of coherence, that type of thing. So now we have all this physiological research that sort of shows, yeah, here you are when you're stressed before you do tapping, and here's what happens after you do tapping, and that might be only an hour's difference. We have three gene studies that show DNA changes, all those sorts of things. So we've come a long way from the old meridian language and i think now it's much easier to sort of talk to a health professional or somebody that's really never heard of this and say look it's just a stress reduction tool that's that's the only way to think about it it is just something that works like you might like to kind of go to yoga or go for a run and physically move and you feel better it's something like that that it's a physical thing we do to ourselves and often people rub their temples if they have a headache or something like that or they like a massage mm. so why do you feel better after a massage if it's not a hard kind of remedial massage <laughs> um, mm. why do you feel better well we actually have all these pressure points so it still has all its foundations and roots in Chinese acupuncture and eastern philosophies but we know now much more about how this thing works
0: Mm, interesting. I um I thought I'd give uh, tapping a crack on some on a particular thing that I was wondering about the other day. My acupuncturist slash physio had given me a point on my legs because I was getting shin splints after tennis and quitting tennis is not an option for me. It's my absolute (laughs) favourite thing. And so she put these two needles in um, towards the top of my shins and over out to the side and it's called the um, walk three miles point in Chinese. (laughs) Okay, And I'm like, oh, cool, I really like that. And I thought I wonder if before tennis and after tennis I just tapped on that point mm. and really just focused on how much I love the game and how how fantastic it feels to be able to play the game and how grateful I am, just tapped away whether I would get shin splints. And I did it on this Monday just gone because I thought, I'm seeing Peter this yes, week yes. on the podcast. <laughs> I want to have some something, some random experiment to bring her. <laughs> and I did it and, uh, and I didn't get shin splints on Monday night. And oh, we played yeah. hard and we really ran around. So... I was like, ooh, that's exciting.
1: (laughs) And I think, you know, even anyone listening out there that kind of goes, oh, I've never had a go at this, you've got nothing to lose by giving it a go. Like Mm. your outcome was you didn't get shin splints. So... Why not give it a go, you know, once you learn how to do it? And it's really, it's, it's simple. It's not a difficult complex and you can do it on your own. That's what we love so much about it. It's self-applied. So once someone learns it, you know, off you go, you know, go and have a go. Yeah. And, you know, get an outcome like that. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that is so good. Um, Can we backtrack just Mm. to talking about research? And at one point there you were saying, you know, it's so nice that we can finally quantify it. And it is always great when you can bring that evidence piece. Mm. Why do you think we're so resistant? Why do you think we have to prove something to the nth degree? Um, Yeah why skeptical? sometimes <laughs> yeah exactly we're so yeah. skeptical i'm not i'm a very open no. person and mm-hmm. if it works for n equals one then power to you i, I honestly yeah. think it's as simple as that yeah. but in the grand scheme of things especially when there are no side effects you know what i mean it's not like oh, we're yeah, no, having to clinically anything. trial a pharmaceutical or something no. It's just tapping like why would we not be excited yeah. more excited about that yeah it's
1: interesting I think some people do hold scepticism, or if they find that they're a sceptical person, they hold that as a positive thing, mm. uh, so sometimes they might be taught to sort of be discerning,
0: like shrewd minded, yeah. yeah that's
1: right yeah. and and it may well be a sign of intelligence for a lot of people, so mm. so that is something they want to hold on to. so certainly we we come across that that people sort of don't want to. Maybe be open to something, or they actually just want someone of a higher authority to tell them it's okay, and then they'll accept it. So often, um, our more elderly populations still have that—that that, you know, if a doctor tells them it's okay, that's a person of authority, and that's not so much in the younger generations
0: coming mm. through. Um, it's I mean, when I—I've um, been researching environmental toxins for years and writing about them and cautioning people and interviewing scientists and professors, but it wasn't until I was on the ABC radio being interviewed that uh, certain uh baby boomer members of my family went oh and you know she was on the abc last week and you know and then all of a sudden what course, i had yeah. to say alex what do you think about you know it was like oh this is a new dynamic mm-hmm. but i totally get it people yeah. need their own validation for things and they that's do fine. Yeah. and
1: i must say you know we've done Um, about 14 years of clinical trials now here in Australia. I find Australians to actually be open Mm -hmm. to tapping more than a lot of colleagues in the US. Um, Perhaps they don't have, they often say to me, how come the Aussies are so open? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe they're just willing to give something a go and see what happens. So I do find at least the people that choose to come through these trials, whether we're doing weight loss or chronic pain or depression or whatever, they're like, yeah, I'll give this a go. So yeah, I find that different here. Maybe mm. that's just our give it a go mentality, as sort of, you know, Aussies. Mm. Um, most people, yeah, kind of, it's the academics. So it's in this world where we are trying to prove it and get it published and all that kind of thing that that's where you get the feedback of, yeah, what do you mean you tap on your face? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, funny people we are um so you mentioned it that a way that you describe it to clinicians considering it that it's a stress reduction tool but it's obviously so much more than that right Mm. and I would love to sort of step through some of the popular things some of which you just listed then uh that you could turn to tapping for and use it as a as a tool um can we start with phobias Yes. Or, or should we, or is tapping sort of, does it do the same thing for all? So we talk about the whole thing holistically, but like I'm thinking phobias, addictions, lifestyle changes, weight loss, anxiety, yeah. you know, all that all kind of those. stuff.
1: Mm. And um, you're probably right in saying it, it works for all. The question that sometimes comes up because people then go, it almost breeds skepticism when people go, what do you mean it works for so many things? Mm. Because we kind of might accept that it works for one or two things. Why does tapping work for phobias and stress and chronic pain and depression and cigarette smoking? Like what the hell? Mm. And the answer to that is what it's working on in all of those is any element of stress. So if there is any element of stress that is part of that, phobia is a really good example. One of the first Australian studies ever done on EFT was done on phobias and If someone's got stress in that and you use tapping for that, then of course they end up in a more calm space, which means they might think more clearly or they're able to have a more rational thought or they just don't have the fear anymore about whatever it is, the cockroach Mm. or the spider or whatever, that kind of thing. So if you think of it like that, it's like mm, stress is in a lot of things, chronic pain, a lot of stress held in the body, which makes pain worse. It's why it works on chronic pain or, you know, elements of that, that kind of thing. So that's why it works for so many things. But we could talk because literally there's there's so many different things that, you know, we have published trials on now that really do show you can actually, we say EFT stands for every feeling and thought, like give it a go on everything Mm. (laughs) just to see because if there's any element of stress in whatever's going on for you, then you can try tapping.
0: Mm. And would you tap differently for the people who are new to this for the different things that you might be uh, working on?
1: The points you tap on are the same. So mm-hmm. once you learn sort of the standard eight points, then we can walk through those. That we they're exactly the same. The only thing that changes are the words that you say. And so the words, and this is where it's counterintuitive to a lot of other approaches out there, particularly in maybe the positive psychology kind of movement. Affirmations. Try and think positively. Change your mindset that kind of thing because in tapping we actually have to say our problem so that's where it makes it people go what do you mean I have to say I feel scared of the cockroach or something what do you mean I have to say that and it's like that's how tapping actually works you have to engage the fear or the worry or the stress in the brain but then tap so you almost have to bring it up at the same time you tap because that's what makes it collapse so if you were to just tap on no I'm not scared of spiders but you actually are then it won't really kind of have an outcome. You won't necessarily end up calmer at the end of it. Mm. Uh, so that's what's different. And the only thing that's different is you actually just change the words you're saying based on what's happening in that mm. moment. So I was talking to a um, another podcast last week. We were talking about shift workers and insomnia. There's been some trials run on that. So what you say if you wake up in the middle of the night or you can't go to sleep is you say, I can't go to sleep. As you do the tapping so you actually just got that's the only thing people have to remember is you've got to say the truth
0: mm. so don't try
1: and trick yourself here just say what it is and as long as you can get that clear in your mind and tap that's what makes it kind of shift and
0: dissolve or go away <laughs> yeah it was because you're facing it almost really that's it right feels and like it, yeah what
1: we know is that brain gets the part of the brain gets engaged Then we tap and that's what makes it collapse. And we do know that if you repeat that a few times, then over time it kind of collapses for good. Mm -hmm. So for us, our food craving people, their food cravings don't come back. So two years later we've followed up our, our people in our trials and sort of go, how's your food craving? And they look at you like, what do you mean? I don't have a food craving. (laughs) It's like, well, you did (laughs) because what's happened is the brain's allowed to sort of had a different experience and it's just not part of their life anymore, which means you get different neurological connections, that kind of thing. Mm. But that's the only thing that we have to kind of remember is actually say what's going on.
0: So you're we're rewiring our brains with this yeah. theory very yeah. interesting yeah. yeah our
1: long-term studies show that so we've always done one year follow-up we've recently done two years like I said on the uh, weight manage the weight people just to sort of see okay well does it stick you know it's so quick and easy anyway that if there was anything that sort of came back a little bit we, we say that might just be a different piece of the puzzle we just tap on it again and that tends to sort of collapse it but two-year follow-up you know people's issues don't come back their chronic pain doesn't come back the depression hasn't come back they're not smoking cigarettes anymore even if they've had other stress in their lives that kind of thing so we are literally rewiring at that neurological level.
0: Amazing Mm -hmm. and and so forgive me for pointing out the obvious isn't this a terrible business model? Well, I say to no, you say what you mean, and then I'll I'll, tell you what I think. Well, I'm just thinking people learn the eight points, they learn they have to face the truth, and it works. Um, it doesn't come back, they don't need to take pharmaceuticals, they don't need to keep going to lots of doctors. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just find that really. Perhaps that's why there's so much pushback against it. Like, it's actually quite scary for some people to think, well, am I going to literally talk myself out of a job by teaching people this? Yes, yeah. Look, I do say, because I teach psychologists here at university, mm. so obviously
1: they're going out to have a whole lifetime of seeing people. They don't all learn tapping, but mm. yeah, but at some level, I guess, you know, for us as health professionals, we want to empower our clients and we mm. do want to skilled them up or or young children or whatever to be able to literally you know there might be an answer in their fingertips kind of thing doesn't necessarily mean that they'll use tapping for every single thing in their lives and I do think there's enough people with enough problems that we probably won't do ourselves out of a job but I think you're right in that at some level maybe some other kind of approaches eg medications mm. may not be required by a lot of people they yeah. they might not need that for their chronic pain or that kind of thing and but the ripple effect that that will have positively on mm. the
0: health system and the the economic boom yeah the economy like, wins somewhere yeah. else because they're exactly. out on the That's town right. they're having cocktails working so, yeah working yeah so exactly. it kind of will
1: be but i i do agree i think there is probably some threat and we do sometimes see in the u.s people in the complementary medicine space where they're having a lot of success yeah sometimes kind of get that negativity as well so
0: mm. yeah but from the people who are being uh whose lives are being transformed by it we don't care <laughs> it's
1: don't. fantastic it's amazing relief. that's right yeah. exactly
0: um okay and so you've mentioned weight loss a few times and Uh, we have actually just recently done a perimenopause show. So a lot of women start to gain weight in their middle sections and their forties and start getting back with themselves and the world for that. Um, what are a couple of things that, uh, that age group can do for, for weight loss for when we're tapping?
1: Yeah. So definitely if they've noticed anything shifted in their diet. So mm-hmm. we really focus on any kind of food that is an issue for them. We call them cravings, but it could be anything. It could just be that maybe they seek out more sweet food if that's contributed. So they can directly target those. So um, food cravings respond really fast most of the time. Like I'm talking 10, 15 minutes and the craving's gone away. Wow. So anything like that. The other thing that we do like to focus on when there's sort of areas like that is often people buy into beliefs that could be at a societal level and it could be at an individual level that they just have a belief that, oh, well, I'm going through menopause now and that means I'm going to gain weight because everybody Mm. tells me that. And you can use tapping on a belief so that you don't buy into the belief anymore because our body will do what we tell it to do. So our thoughts drive sort of everything that matches. So the thoughts do come first and then the neurohormones and neuropeptides and things like that match. So the body will just do what you tell it. So we are—we uh, point out to people, well, do you buy into any belief? Someone said to me a couple of years ago, I was in my mid forties and they're like, oh, do you wear glasses yet? And I said, no, why? And they're like, oh, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> I get that all the time as well. You know, I'm 43. You have to get, have to get your glasses. Yeah. And I'm like, what? But it was just a really interesting example of, it's a belief. Mm. And so we buy into beliefs, you know, we're kind of go, Oh, Oh, I better, better go and have my eyes checked. Oh, you need glasses. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't wear glasses, but, but it's just, so in the menopause space, I think that's really interesting. The other thing that I have sort of read in some of that space myself is some cultures around the world don't have what they, what we call menopause. They don't have the symptoms of night sweats, hot flushes, women that go through that transition phase of their you know, menstrual cycle stopping and obviously not needing to have babies anymore don't have any physical physical symptoms and they don't have wow. a word for it in their culture which makes me go I love oh, that I think we've just cultivated something here
0: we have
1: because there's enough proof
0: yeah. elsewhere
1: in other cultures that they they would go what do you mean hot flushes we don't have any of that no my period's just stopped and faded over time and now I don't have them. What do you mean? I'm fine. I'm um, in weight. Cool. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think it's something for us to kind of yeah, take on and sort of go, oh, what was I told by my mum, my grandma, you know, Yeah, the
0: construct is such a, um, it's such a heavy part of what we step into and I don't think we've even started to touch on just how big an impact the construct is in Absolutely. our lives we, yeah. could, we
1: could do a whole podcast on that I
0: know right belief yeah. systems. Mm. we
1: say that's your bs your mm. belief system <laughs> <laughs> I like it but I you can it. use tapping on beliefs so um just to sort of throw that out there as well that yeah sometimes we become aware that oh I've adopted a family belief here that I don't think works for me anymore you can actually use tapping to shift a belief as well so that you don't have that belief anymore
0: that's so interesting and I, I'm thinking of a personal example straight away and I'm sure people listening will, will have their own uh, but my mum uh, when she was giving birth to me was in labor for two days wow. failure to go anywhere had to have a c-section then she just had a c-section with my sister because she just you know tried a little bit but then it same it looked like it was going to be the same thing. Then cut to me, 34 year, three le- years later, having my little one, two-day labour, absolutely nothing happening, tried induction, tried era, emergency C-section. Yeah. And, uh, and then my sister had a very similar story a couple of years ago. Yeah, wow. Um, and I just, I mean, you can't, that, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so I That's often wonder yeah, whether yeah. it's the story we tell ourselves, yeah. that the women yeah. in our family can't give birth naturally. You know what I mean? Like That's I, right really am open to that being a psychological possibility
1: yeah Um, and so am i and and certainly we have lots of people in private therapy or comes up in groups when we run trials mm. where those beliefs do come out of the family stories and we say well does that work for you anymore it might have in the beginning because it helps bond you and you know we say we honor our parents so that we stay attached when we need it but does it work for you now and if they go no not really i'd like to be open to a different belief okay Mm. well let's use tapping on that and see what happens worst case you keep the belief but you're already there now so you know nothing changes exactly but often what happens is as they tap on the belief again just saying the truth they'll have different thoughts that come to mind as other possibilities and it's kind of like oh yeah okay well maybe that's that's better for me that kind Mm. of thing
0: And so you've mentioned the eight points. Can we go through them?
1: Yes, absolutely. So when we first start, there's actually nine. When we first start, there's a point here on the side of the hand where we just tap with two fingers, nothing. It doesn't feel like anything, but that is the point that we tap when we start to sort of say our words just to, and if we're working with someone, we might be sort of leading them to see if the words are right. And it's always something like, even though I have this feeling, uh, I accept I have this feeling. So it's just about accepting this is what's currently going on for me. Mm. That's as simple as it has to be. So we just tap on that one. Then what we do is just take a word or two, a key phrase, and say that as we tap through the other eight points. So the first one is the start of the eyebrow there. So we just tap, again, two fingers and all we would say is the word or two to keep us sort of engaged and present so that you're not floating off with the fairies. Um, so let's and just see. F- yeah,
0: give me. Yeah, 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 no, you were actually just about to do what I was going to ask you to do, pick an example.
1: Yeah, yeah. so ju- just say we just said anger, that you just mm-hmm. felt angry about something. So we just say, I feel angry And that's all we would say. And then the next one would be the side of the eye, just sort of where it dips in there a bit, where you might rub your temple. Yep. And we just say the same thing. I feel angry. The next one's under the eye. So on the bone. Oh Yep. This anger. So it's the same thing. We're just reminding ourselves, but that engages part of the brain. Next one's under the nose. So this anger, same thing. You could say who you feel angry at. Next one is the crease of the chin there. So just um, this anger. Now, the next one, if you come to the end of your collarbone, you can't see mine, but come down about an inch from that, the knob, knobby bits in the middle, so just on one side there. Sometimes people tap on both of them. Again, you just tap there. they are getting
0: side of sound effects today. I
1: know they are. <laughs> <laughs> the so next good. one's um, directly under the arm. So mm-hmm. if you were wearing a bra as a woman, it would be the top bra strap. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you really wanted to, it's four fingers from your armpit down, so that's about kind of where that point is again anger and then the last one is the dead center of your head so i know we've both got headphones on but dead center there and again same thing this anger so they're the eight stress point. point
0: in acupuncture
1: yeah it's My, the meeting of yeah, quite yeah. a few points so it's um mm. they call that the
0: the meeting it's like of the happy members. crown or something and yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: it's often talked about in chakras mm. too so we would say i could take a deep breath okay what we didn't do is we normally give it a rating out of 10. So that just tells you internally what might be shifting. So it's just your subjective sort of guess. So if it was an eight, we would then say, okay, well, how do you feel now? Neither of us have anger, but if we were, we would like, okay, well, maybe I feel like it's a six. It's just a guess, whatever it Mm. is. If it's not a zero or a one down low, you just come back and you just do it again. So obviously it only takes about 25 seconds to kind Mm. of go through. So
0: you do a little bit of a circuit, a few seconds on each point. Yeah,
1: A couple of rounds until you either sort of go, yeah, I feel much calmer, or if I had to give it a number, look, it's dropped down to a zero or a one, something like that, or I've just had a shift and I feel I feel fine now. I've, I've been able to let it go. Like we hear people sort of just try and let it go. Most of the time people don't know how to let something go, but tapping is a way of doing that. So it doesn't take very long. We can obviously use it in complex ways and for childhood memories and things like that. But in the moment it's such a brilliant stress reduction tool because you can bolt off to the toilet and sit in the car or whatever and do a couple of rounds and go,
0: I, I feel good now. I feel fine. And it doesn't ta- it's taken
1: less than five minutes.
0: That of thing. That's so wonderful. And it makes me think of a past psychologist that I've had on the show, Dr. Joan Rosenberg, who's Divine, the American uh, psychologist, and she talks about the feelings of discomfort and yeah. uh, how they're around 90 seconds. And if you can just stay with that feeling. So I almost feel like we then bring the tapping in. Yeah. And that's actually helping us stay present to that uncomfortable feeling and move through it, right?
1: And it's it's very mindful. So Mm. sometimes, not often, but every now and again, somebody will sort of say, oh, are you just distracting yourself? Mm. Is it just a distraction tool? And it's like, well, it's not actually distraction because you have to be present.
0: Mm. So if
1: you walk around distracted, nothing happens. But you're actually being quite mindful and present and saying, I have this anger, like Joan's saying, "I'm, I'm... being aware of it, but I'm actually actively doing something that will help shift it. If, if you can't kind of surf the urge, you know, surf that sort of, because some people can't, they can't mm. tolerate any distressed feeling.
0: Yeah, this feels like a nice way to be um, almost protected while you're in that feeling. Because yeah. you're doing something, well, it's
1: like a soothing yeah. technique for whatever it is that's going yeah. on. And um, as long as you keep tapping, you come out the other end.
0: It's really interesting because I've interviewed so many people now, and I've um, I've also done a lot of Joe Dispenza's work. Mm. And uh, you know, the idea that we achieve better brain coherence when we um, like dive into what he calls the generous present moment. And really being present is where the magic happens. And you can pick a therapy, any therapy, any of these incredible um, things that we now know work and just blend them all into your smoothie of neuroscience and experiments for yourself. And I get it. That's
1: right. I think the yeah. more you have available to you that all get the same outcome. Like Joe's a close friend, so we often talk, and he's done tapping as well, and mm. I do his meditations, and we do all. Oh, his-
0: can I ask what your favourite one is?
1: Yes, you can. It used <laughs> to be blessings of the energy centres because there's quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did his advanced workshop, like because we analyse all his EEG scans here. Oh, the cool. So, do his research arm, um, but I quite like tuning your potential. So there's one called tuning your potential. Mm. Um, really quite like that, and I love the placebo one. So mm. that's that sort of yeah, coupled there. Because I know him so well now, it's kind of weird for me to listen to his voice. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
0: would be once it's a friend, it's like oops, bugger <laughs> off, Joe. I actually <laughs> want to do my own meditation. Lovely. He's just lovely. But we talk about
1: <laughs> all of these tools get you to the same place. Yes. It's just lovely to have quite a variety in case. And I do too. Like I have a lot more outside of tapping. I just researched this one because some days you might go, I don't feel like tapping, but I have something else. I could put on a a Joe dispenser or Mm. I could put on a hypnosis or I could do a timeline therapy or go to yoga or something that they'll all get you to the same place. And I think the more we have available to us, the better we are when we do have days where you don't have the energy mm. or you don't have the time. Like you just, my life's more about not having the time yeah. to kind of sit and meditate for a whole night. An hour. hour. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, that kind exactly. Of thing. But I can
1: tap in the car.
0: Yeah, yeah, the
1: traffic light tap. <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't worry about what people think anymore.
0: <laughs> What's that woman doing? So you're not allowed to eat anymore, but no one said oh, you weren't allowed yeah. to tap in your car, so there you go. <laughs> Um, And can you give me, uh, just have a little think about any anecdotes, a person or two who jumps out, obviously anonymous, where there was incredible transformation in the trials, Uh, just people who had been hung up on a particular thing or something that had been really, really holding them back?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple and I'll tell you about one of them. My daughter, because it just something happened recently and I had to remind her she'd done tapping. So I'll start with her. So last year I needed to film a real session as part of um, a, an online program. So I was contributing because we've done a lot of school kid trials. So I'd said to my 11 year old, oh, will you be She's quite quite the actor? And I'm like, will you be in this video with me? Look, the only people that'll see this video are that pay for this online course. And I said, have you got anything that's worrying you? She goes, I don't have anything. Anyway, big sister yells out, you've got your piano exam coming up and she's stressing <laughs> out about it. And she went, oh, yes, okay. I said, how about we tap on that? So I've got this video of Elise and I and she's tapping and really she just kept talking about it, the physical feeling. So that's all I'm tapping on with her. She's like this feeling in my stomach, you know, the nerves. And I'm like, yep, so we just gave it a number out of 10. She's just tapping with me. And anyway, it was getting less. And then she started to talk about, well, what if the teacher who's doing the examination is mean? Oh, okay. So we tapped on, well, what if she is that? How does that make you feel? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the whole thing only goes for 15 minutes and I turn the recording off and she then says, Oh wow, that really worked. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're like my child, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> Damn straight. It worked. <laughs> so
1: anyway, she goes on, <laughs> turn it off. She goes on to do the exam and I asked her afterwards, and she went to she went on to get ninety percent or something like that for her piano exam. But I said, "Oh, how'd you feel when you walked in?" And she said, "Look, I was a, I had a little bit of nerves that came up in my stomach when I first walked in, but the lady was really nice and put me at ease, and so I was fine." And I'm like, "Great!" Now, the reason why I mention it now is about a week ago. So she always does these exams in October, so she's got another one coming up. About a week ago, she starts to talk about her piano exam and she goes, oh, last year was really great. I wasn't even nervous about it and, you know, it was such a great experience. And I looked at her and I said, but you were. And she goes, no, I wasn't. It was like that was the best exam I've ever done. And I said, but do you remember we filmed a video? (laughs) (laughs) Because I thought I've even got it. Let me
0: play you the tape.
1: (laughs) And she looked at me and I thought, here's this neurological shift. Yeah. She was blank. She remembered but she'd forgotten.
0: Mm, Like deep in herself, any trace of that emotion was just not there. She just
1: said, oh, no, I'm looking forward to my exam this year. And I was like, and her sister's falling on the floor, like, you know, gagging. And I'm kind of like looking at her going, wow, we see it all the time in tapping, but to see it in her. And yeah, it was like eight months ago kind of thing. And and she's like, oh no, no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I remember we did the filming, but oh no, I've never had an issue
0: with exam anxiety.
1: I'm like, (laughs) Oh. <laughs> but I mean, what a beautiful outcome!
0: But... That's the perfect illustration oh. of the point. So it's we'll see literally <laughs> like because I mean, if you think about Joe's work and I did the advanced retreat as well, so it's just an incredible experience um, where you are literally rewiring things. So you are not that person who gets nervous about the piano exams anymore. You're not. You can't connect to that feeling because it's simply not you. Yeah. Um, So I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, 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 please. These are always juicy.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good stories, lots of stories. We, the federal pain program here, which is um, on the Gold Coast, includes tapping, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. So in there, it's a 12-month persistent pain program. Obviously, they give lots and lots of things like physiotherapy or whatever, but they include tapping. So we'd gone along to a section of this and we ran it as a clinical trial, so we have just collected all their data but it was just another profound moment that we taught them all tapping. They did it all as a group, but then they split off into little groups uh, to do their own personal individual work on wherever their pain had come from. And this gentleman comes up to me at the end of the day and he was beaming and I'm like, and he's like, I've got to tell you what happened. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And he said, my story was, I had a workplace accident and this was like 10 years earlier and he said, so he was in his 50s, don't know what it was, and he said, I'd had the chronic pain ever since, been on, uh, I guess, disability or insurance or whatever, and he'd never gone back to work. Chronic pain had never changed with any kind of intervention. And so he'd been tapping on the workplace accident in within the clinical trial that day. And he said, and the light bulb went off, and he realised that the chronic pain, he didn't like the job. So even though he'd had a true accident, He hated his job and he didn't want to go back. And he made the connection, which I thought was so brilliant rather than us pointing it out that the chronic pain and staying on, you know, disability or whatever allowed him not to have to go back into that work. And he said, in a month's time, he turned whatever age, and he said, and I go on to the pension. And I never have to go back to work because my working career is over. And he goes, and the chronic pain has just all left me and it's because I I don't need it anymore. It was serving a purpose psychologically. Ah. And what I thought was so lovely was he made the connection, not we often make those connections as therapists, but we are careful when you point them out because people might not be ready. Mm. And he got it by tapping that day and he just said, I don't need this pain anymore. It was there for a reason. I now know what it was but I can live the rest of my life out without my pain. And we're like, wow. Wow, so so good. Finished the program, didn't need to go back. And from everything I've heard through feedback, um, his pain never came back. I think it was back pain to do with the injury or whatever it was. And he didn't need it anymore because it was all about the workplace more so for him and pain was allowed to go away.
0: (laughs) I mean, he might have
1: liked to have done it five years ago because he might have had a very different sort of, you know, working career, but. That's just where he was at.
0: Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's such a cool story and it's such an illustration that we often uh, create a construct that helps protect us from something we're not prepared to admit.
1: Yes, that's right. Mm. and It's more legitimate often to have something physical or something that's, you know, accepted emotionally or whatever by everybody around you, then society included. So often pain, chronic pain can actually serve that purpose for a lot of people.
0: Mm, interesting. I'm now thinking another personal example. I'm sure people out there are as well. But after the advanced retreat with Joe, uh, obviously there's the thing called the dispenser flu, where because you've rewired yourself, often things can become a bit chaotic around you. And I got five mini snapshots of random illnesses over five days. It was completely bizarre. Like tonsillitis one day, then it was gone. Then I got sinusitis one day, then it was gone. Then like just a random thing. And then at the end, I had crippling knee pain for two months. Oh wow. And I was like, what? Is this knee pain? And you know, it was so bad at one point. I you know got my rheumatoid factors checked. I got because I was like, this is crazy. I just want to do a rule out so my head doesn't take over and start catastrophizing because that was why I started doing Joe's work in the first place after a chronic illness experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, lo and behold, I just started really feeling angry about the pain really sitting with it and making all my meditations about owning it and being there with it and then started rewiring for a future where I just don't have that pain. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, you know, brought a bit of tapping in, did a bit of Joe's management because I think these are all just such incredible tools and I really like what you, how you framed it where once you have the literacy of all the different tools, you can pick and choose what you bring in and what That's works right. for you for that yeah. particular experience. And I'm proud to say that I just get on up out of a chair and I'll walk across that room. Wow. Um, all yeah. good.
1: We so, use a lot of resources in tapping um, that are around kind of metaphysical contributions to psychological symptoms and physical mm. symptoms and things like that. Just, just to help the process. Knees often reflect moving forward. Exactly. <laughs> which is why I thought it was
0: so interesting yes, after funny, a mass yeah, rewiring yeah, yeah. that my moving body was forward. like, I don't know if we're ready. You know? And it's <laughs> Love just it. Love so it. classic. Um yeah, you know, absolutely. I just think when we can actually analyze ourselves really openly we can go ah moving and the forward body's isn't, such it? A yeah. barometer,
1: isn't it which it is. is why i keep talking about this fourth wave and i'm like this stuff's been around for hundreds of years other philosophies you know they all look to the body as the barometer or the expression of what else was going on but i think we've only just started to return back to it
0: so, mm. so do you think those first couple of waves of psychology were kind of symptomatic of this general desire in the early 20th century to compartmentalise different body areas and parts into specialisations and the mind got separated out?
1: Yeah, it did. It did in medicine. So, Mm -hmm. and I think psychology took all that type of approach, took ages to bring it back. That medicine definitely excluded it out and they just went the body sort of, you know, at that level and particularly to treat it like that we then tried to see sort of different philosophers bring the mind back because it was always seen that your philosophers like Plato or Descartes or whatever they treated the mind but there was this real disconnect Mm. Um, and I think even today though we still from a psychological therapy point of view haven't integrated that well and and I say about everything not everything's a one size fits all so even you know there's 800 clinical trials been run on cognitive behavioral therapy for a range of things there is evidence there that that thing works but it doesn't work for everybody so just to sort of say and it's the same tapping has all these trials too now but look we just need to me my approach is we just need enough things with enough evidence that people will feel confident to give something a go but not to say that no that's the gold standard and that's the only one that people should use.
0: Mm. Well,
1: like, no, there's other things
0: yeah and oh, no silver bullets yeah that's yeah right. exactly. interesting okay and so we've talked about when we're tapping staying really present with the anger or can't lose weight or whatever the you know don't have any money, whatever it might be. Mm. So, how do we build self-worth and self-care practices through tapping? Mm. Like you know if everything's kind of okay, is there a bit of a maintenance and level up scenario with tapping where we can sort of start working on um, uh, sort of construct the construct of a new yeah. future thinking?
1: Yes, and you can absolutely use it for future planning and goal setting. It's one of mm-hmm. my most favorite ways now because once you've kind of tapped on everything in your childhood and cleaned all that <laughs> up, you know there's not a great deal there anymore you 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 turn to the other sort of side and and sort of go okay well all right if the if there were no limits, what would I like?" as a goal or something to come true or, or whatever. And part of tapping is to actually work out what are your internal. So say you do right, you know, we say the BAG, you know, the big audacious goal, um, you know, what's your BAG and then work out, well, why haven't you achieved that already? What are your kind of built in maybe limiting thoughts or beliefs or, so it's more of a fun way to kind of do it because that's what you tap on is to clear those out. And what happens is when you don't have those limitations or, little we say it's the little voice inside your head you know you like your little itty bitty shitty committee that kind of you know <laughs> we all know that <laughs> we committee. all one of them <laughs> well we listen to the committee and then we write them all down and then we tap on all of them where yep. it comes from but then what happens is the goal is free to sort of manifest or present itself or for you, if that's the right goal it'll come true kind of thing mm-hmm. and we have loads and loads so sort of much more fun way to sort of go yeah okay now i'm going to use tapping to support that aspect of me or to do positive tapping so if you are feeling fantastic you're feeling healthy you can tap on feeling more of that mm. even if you're so there's your self-esteem sort of stuff you know i i am i don't know let's say um i'm capable and competent I'm so capable and competent and tap because you already believe it. Mm. So just remember, we're not doing a Band-Aid. So if you already are in that state and you want to support that more,
0: tap with positive words. Mm. Um, we also so Could th- that be, you, sorry, I'll just sorry, um, stay with that for a sec. Yeah. Could that be useful if you generally feel like you're a bit of a down and out luck kind of person but something really great happens and you want to build on it? In that moment when that great thing has happened, you had a a promotion or you got a little pay increase or you had a day where you didn't feel knee pain, for example, you then tap on the awesomeness of that.
1: Yeah, and gratitude or anything Mm. like that. I'd say do both. So Mm -hmm. if generally that doesn't happen to you all the time but in that moment, it's fantastic, really, yeah bring up that great feeling and tap tap it in kind of thing. Yeah, But if the, sometimes the rest of your life isn't, I'd still tap on that to kind of reduce that so that the awesomeness becomes more your normal. That mm. normally most things work out for you all the time. So yeah. tap on anything that might be in the background parallel and you can do all of this at the same time. You don't have to kind of only wait till all that's finished before you tap on the positives. It's like, nah, you can do as many tapping things as you're different as you like. We do say try and keep a, a bit of a record, a journal, because it is how you can go back and see what's changed and we otherwise you get the Elise effect where you forget and you're like, oh, no, that doesn't bother me anymore. But you think it wasn't a problem, but keeping a journal of it or a diary or something like that will show you how far you come and I think that's really nice validation for tapping itself but for you as a person so it's so one thing I didn't do that I didn't keep a record over 15 years of tapping and I, I, I look back now and, and do know I was different but it's not till you meet someone from your old past and they're like what happened to you like you mm. used to be this quiet introvert I'm like I'm still an introvert <laughs> and they're like no and I go, "Yeah, you are I not. <laughs> because I wasn't like that mm. I was nervous and shy and quiet and anxious and yeah, and tapping was sort of the antidote to that. But, yeah, keep a diary, everybody. Keep, write it down so that, you know, you can be working on different areas of your life, including positive and self-care. It is a self-care technique, you know. We're mm. like tap every day, you brush your teeth. Most people brush their teeth every morning, just tap. Tap as well. Tap on something.
0: Bring it in there. It's just I,
1: association. Um, I like
0: tap it in as a little phrase. I, th- I feel Ooh, like you need. I feel in. like you need a bit of a t-shirt. <laughs> tap it in, folks. <laughs> tap it in. <laughs> Quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, in terms of uh, the experiment, then that you might like to set for us for this week, I think it should accompany a journal, don't you think? And we'll do this in yes. the low tox club. So we'll start a thread where everybody can share what they're experimenting on if they feel comfortable, but otherwise. Yeah. Just keep it private, yeah. and so let's so design something for us that looks like a little seven week experiment. that's so not seven weeks, sorry, seven, seven day days. experiment. <laughs> mm.
1: like seven mm. weeks? Oh, that's like a <laughs> clinical program. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, no, 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 no.
0: no. <laughs> it's all good.
1: <laughs> well, just to keep it kind of, and just to give people the first experience of tapping, I'd say look back over the last couple of weeks. And what is one thing, maybe something that still annoys you from the last couple of weeks that just hasn't really gone away? doesn't have to be like the worst thing ever, but just something, you know, we dwell a little bit and we Mm. kind of, you know, well, sometimes we have conversations, if only I'd have said this, you know, we have these Mm. whole scenarios. Just pick something from the last couple of weeks that you feel like you haven't really let go of and apply tapping to that. So when you think about it now, you're thinking about it happening back then, but it's like you've still got the same feelings. That's why it still bothers you. I'd say use the next couple of days to tap through the feelings that perhaps you didn't acknowledge. And it might be I was angry or I was annoyed or I was something that just still is bothering you from the last couple of weeks. Could be anything, work, home. I don't know. Some guy cut me off this morning. He didn't see me driving and I had to slam my brakes on, mm. I know he didn't see me like he just, you know, I've got a dark car and whatever. And I was able to let that go. But if I was still thinking about that in five days time, mm. then I'd probably do some tabbing on it. Kind yeah. of, why, why am I still thinking about why
0: it? Why am I holding on to that? Why yeah. am I holding
1: on? So pick one of those mm. in the next and just give it a number out of 10. How do you feel? And if there's more than one feeling, just do one at a time. So if it's like
0: one at a time per circuit and then you can do the circuit again straight away with the second feeling of that thing?
1: No, tap on the one feeling until it's a low number and then Mm -hmm. switch to the next one and give it its own number and and do that separately. Again, the whole thing won't take you hours and days and days. It can just be a short sort of, but just do one at a time.
0: Mm. One of my favourite examples for this uh, sort of an experiment is my... X phobia of huntsman spiders and um and we get a lot in sydney very leafy kind of little suburban areas and uh i used tapping and and thinking about how big the spider looked and so i was like this spider is enormous (laughs) this spider (laughs) is huge this spider is so massive and like i said i did that and then i like got to a point where Spider is so much smaller than me, you know. Like, I just started to realize that it was tiny and it's terrified of me, not the other way around. But
1: that shift happened after you got rid of the exactly, which is um nice,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, nothing's too trivial to throw at this, um, this fabulous little therapy. I think it's um, yeah, it's so cool. So, you've obviously got a fantastic book, and Dr. Joe wrote the forward, right? Dr.
1: It's all Dr. Joe's fault, really. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> did he dare you to write the book?
1: <laughs> so he was here for a conference. We mm-hmm. asked him out to speak at one of our events and lo and behold, he said yes. We didn't even know him at that point. And I did say to him in months that went by, why would you say yes to come out? He's like, oh, I don't know. Something just made me. I'm like, oh, well, it was meant to be whatever. Anyway, so we were together on the Sunday, but we weren't required at the conference. So we we're just having a coffee, kind of get, get to know each other. And he said to me, oh, you should write a book because he heard me speak about where we were up to with the science and research then. And I'm like, what do you mean I should write a book? Like I have written a couple of other books over the years, self-help, timeline therapy, NLP sort of based stuff. And I'm like, I don't have time to write a book. I'm running trials and I'm like doing this and I've just agreed to do all your EEG analysis. Like I'm like, Mm. he's like, no, no. When I get back to, this is quite a good story. When I get back to America, I'm going to talk to Reed Tracy, the CEO of Hay House, and you should write a book. And I just laughed. <laughs> I went, Good one, Joe. <laughs> Lo and behold, six weeks later, Reed Tracy rings me at work. Yeah, and says, "I can't do his his Texan drawl." But he goes, "I believe you want to write a book." And I went, "Not really." Joe thinks I should write a book. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. So he goes, "No, no, our readers, you know, like the science behind self help methods." And I'm like. Okay, so anyway, we we move on. He comes out to Sydney for one of the writers' workshops, met him, met Leon Maxon and went, All right, I'll commit to this book. You won't believe it. The day I signed the contract, Louise Hay died. <gasps> wow. So I write about this at the end of the book and um, any of our listeners, you know, can flick straight to that if you want to read the story. And I never thought I'd probably meet her, but I had this moment of because I Louise had been in my life, like through books and things like that for a couple of decades, and that was unusual a psychology student to be reading that kind of thing it was just part of my world and um so I kind of was driving somewhere I had to do an errand and I just heard she died and I'd signed the contract that morning for Hay House for this book Mm. and I just sort of did an internal I guess prayer to her and just sort of said look I'm joining your family here I didn't think I'd meet you and it was just sort of this internal sort of I don't know, a conversation I had maybe with whatever, wherever she was and just sort of said maybe just send me a sign that this is the right thing. Because I, I did have a certain apprehension around writing this book because there are quite a few big, important EFT researchers in the world and I wasn't convinced I was the best person to write the book. So that was my apprehension, which I did do
0: tapping on. so mm, I, I was going to say and a bit of comparisonitis the track, there.
1: Oh, I yeah. had like inferior, <laughs> imposter syndrome like you would be yeah. like, Anyway, but I had tapping, so that came down in the months that followed. Anyway, I got out of my car, and I'd just gone from home to the car to wherever I was going. And I looked down, and I had a six-inch white feather on my shoe. <sighs> and I went,
0: "Hello, sign."
1: Hello, where did this come from? Because <laughs> there ain't no birds around my house. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, all right, I'm gonna write this book. And then I, I did use tapping because I did have some. Yeah, I'm human. You know, I, I I worried about how this was going to go. Anyway, I worked with a colleague, and um, we kind of got through all of that. So I said to Joe, "All right, well, you made me write this book, and in the midst of doing everything else in my life, you have to write the forward." <laughs> <And Joe's>, sure,
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> so awesome. His
1: forward's really lovely because he wrote it on a flight because he obviously flies a lot to do his trainings. But he do, he did tapping during the reading of the book and he writes about it in the forward and he writes what he was tapping on. So it's really cool to kind of read his story mm. and experience of tapping, writing the forward because I made him for my book basically.
0: I love it. And Joe always talks about the freaky looks that flight attendants and fellow passengers give him for the various things he does in his I can life. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so why not just add tapping to that? So I'll, I'll
1: just, um, my postscript is Every January, I sit down and I just sort of loosely write some intentions for the year ahead. I write them about family holidays. Um, not, I don't call them goals; they're just intentions, things I would like to have happen. I don't always tap on them. I just sort of sit and get quiet and just sort of go. It might be about the public, my jur- my um, clinical trials I'm running, or the journals I want to publish. You know, like I said, holidays, health. How many half marathons do I run, want to run? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, for whatever reason, I was flicking back. I'd written I'd written the book for six months and it was due in, so this is the January, it was due in the March to back to Hay House for editing. And so I was looking back through the previous sort of year or two to see, because I look back, I leave it and wait a year and then look back to see what kind of came to fruition. And 18 months earlier, I had written, I would like a full Hay House book publishing contract. <sighs> 18 months prior to meeting Joe Dispenser and that all happening and I just sort of went, oh, I went like that. I went, oh, I forgot I wrote that. <laughs> you are kidding me. I might have had a swear word in there. And but I isn't thought, that fascinating are you that you kidding just me? buried it
0: quick smart because yeah, you were I like, who the hell are you to write a book? Put that read, away. Oh,
1: that, it was always a childhood dream to sort yeah, of yeah. an author or whatever and just sort of had written that loosely down 18 months before I met Joe and then everything fell into place and I thought, oh, what else have I written down? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's so fantastic yeah. it's so great um and your book is called the science behind tapping Byline
1: is a proven stress um, management technique for body, mind and body. And we so can find it everywhere? It is everywhere. So obviously locally um, bookstores have the hard physical copy, you know, your or QBDs, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if you wanted it delivered, you could go book depository, Amazon, whatever. Um, it is uh, e-book. So you can find that as an e-book through all those websites too. Um, obviously, it's on the Hay House site in America, but Hay House in Australia have it as well. So it's everywhere. Just do a search, you'll pick up the best discount.
0: It's on my list to read. If I wasn't writing a book myself right now, I'd be just chilling out on the couch reading your book. (laughs) Take your time. (laughs) Thank you so much, Peter. That was a fantastic chat. really, really enjoyed diving into this subject. I think it's a brilliant tool to add to our toolkit uh, especially because it's so fast and fabulous and portable. Really, you don't Absolutely. need to carve out huge amounts of time, money. None of the usual excuses for why we don't get around to moving ourselves forward are there. So there's literally no excuse other than to tap.
1: Absolutely. What, what was our What was our quote? We well,
0: just Just tap it out. Tap it in. Tap it in. Tap it in. in. <laughs> tap it in. Well, well, tap, tap it, tap it out, 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 and out and then tap, tap it in.
1: in. <laughs> Love it. Love <laughs> it. <so> good. <laughs> Thank you, Alex.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Low Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lowtoxlife.com. And there we have everything beautifully organised into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Life, and also on Facebook by page the same name. I make everything super easy, Life. So, you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Lotox Life, and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show. You're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week.